Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the Batman and DC podcast with no limits. Uh, we've got a cool episode tonight, so we're going to get to our intimate roundtable tonight. We've got Grandpa Batman in Dallas, Texas. Intimate roundtable. I like the sound of that. <laughs> and I'm up across in Canada. All right, so if you've been listening to the show recently, uh, one of our most recent interviews was with a man who was trying to find himself to the role of Batman on the big screen. Tonight, we're speaking with a man who took a different path and is creating his own on-screen Dark Knight with a series called Batman the Fan Series. If you're following us on Instagram, which you probably are if you're listening to the show, you may have seen us posting about them or just come across their their, uh, Instagram page on your own. It is named Batman the Fan Series, and joining us tonight is the co-creator of the series and the Dark Knight himself, Mr. Matthew Zeiss. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. I have a, a very startling sense of uh, deja vu tonight, but uh, <laughs> we're just going to move on. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is technically our second attempt at uh, recording. Um, let's get the cat out of the bag. Yes, the old man messed up with the technology, and I lost all our recording last night. Um, <laughs> so, you know, here we are. We're doing it again. We're glad to have Matt back. Uh, basically, I, I kind of think of it as almost as if you filmed a whole scene with the lens cap on, right? It, it happens all the time. There was a scene in uh, a lot of fans got it's you know fans get pissed about random stuff, but there's a picture that I had online that was from a uh, we did a couple test runs of this one shot, only to find out later I had left my earring in, and someone's like, "Oh, Bruce doesn't have earrings." I'm like, "Oh, son of a bitch, man! I know it." <laughs> <laughs> hey man, that, that could be a new look for him. I mean, who knows? Uh, so yeah, tell us about um, your beginnings and origin with the character, and what led you up to this point now, where you wanted to film your own fan film series. Well, I feel bad telling you guys this information again, but hopefully you'll enjoy it the second time. I, uh, you know, when I, I just, I've always loved the character. To me, the character is, uh, you know, what what Zorro and the shadow were to Bruce. I feel like Batman is to all of us where, um, gave us a character to escape from. And as I've said before that the 1949 Batman really struck a nerve with me growing up because I mean, I could pretend to be cause my costume looked just like his costume. And, uh, it was just a lot easier to get, to get by without uh, all the gizmos and gadgets. But I, I just like that. He's a, it's a, it's a regular guy that just decides on his own that he's going to be the best he can be in every department a human being could possibly do that all to seek vengeance and uh you know i feel like a lot of people are we're all waiting we're all been waiting for years now to have another batman and uh i figure you know while we wait let me do it myself and give us all something to be entertained by at the very least so this costume as a kid was this like a homemade costume uh it might as well have been uh it was it was it was you know i'm, I'm sure i mean how you talking about i'm like probably four years old at this point that costume lasted me some time though but uh i had it was just like a classic cloth uh it was a michael keaton like little uh, package of costumes it had little plastic gauntlets little uh yellow plastic belt the uh the cowl and the cape that you know combined together and then i remember think when i was like I don't know. After Batman Forever came out, I had a rubber party city cowl, and, I, and the fact that it was a rubber cowl, I thought it was the best thing ever. You know, that was uh, being a kid with that. That's, that's just it doesn't get much better than that. 
Yeah, I used to think I was Spider-Man, and I would put on like some blue jeans and some red galoshes and uh, put some red underwear over my pants. <laughs> and I'd just go around the house shooting webs at people and stuff like that. Because to you, you were Spider-Man. And, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is how the name Grandpa Spider-Man came to be. Hey, it's funny. Like, you know, growing up, I remember having Batman comics since i mean i have batman comics literally that i think i've had since i was like two or three uh and they show it too but then uh you know i i go i feel like i always go through little stints of reading comic books where i'd read for a few years fall off for a few years and then i think between the ages of probably like 10 and 18 or 17 uh, i hadn't picked up a comic book in forever one day i took a walk to the local convenience store and they had that like little spindle of, uh, of comic books. So I'm picking through up and I get a, uh, there's a Batman comic book by, uh, what was it? Uh, Scott McDaniel and Ed Brubaker. Right. And, uh, and I'm flipping through. And at the end, there's a character with this Elvisy hair and his last name is Zeiss. And they're referring to him as Zeiss. I'm like, no shit. There's a character with my name. So then I started getting heavily into these things. I actually reached out to Scott McDaniel one time and he was so kind enough to, he actually mailed me the original sketch of that character that he found. And he's like, Hey man, I was going through my files, figured you might, uh, you might appreciate this. And it was really cool of him to do. Uh, <clears throat> then I fell back off for a couple years and what, got me started again was I, w- I was in the comic book store in Lindenhurst by me is a uh, Bailey's comics. Good, good, uh, home staple store. Been there forever. And, uh, he had a, an action figure of the Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, Batman from zero year. And I'm like, what is that man? And he's like, Oh, it's from this comic book zero year. He's like, here, check it out. He passes it to me. And I started flipping through and I'm like, Oh, I got to get this book. And I started reading a ton. But then when this came about the series, I think I read, uh, it must have been a matter of like three weeks, I read, I think it amounted to 4,000 pages of Batman comic books, uh, which I'm sure you guys do every week, but for me, that, that was a that was a stretch, and I, I watched, I watched every, re-watched every episode of the animated series, every episode of the Batman serials, I watched every movie backwards and front, I watched every behind-the-scenes minute that's from any DVD of Batman there is, uh, I watched every single thing I could possibly. The only thing I couldn't get through was Batman Ninja, but I tried. I, uh, <laughs> it's, it was, you know, just cramming, cramming this information into your head and just consistently going. I don't know if you guys have read the book, um, or I think it's like How to Be Batman. It's like a hand manual. It's hilarious. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, like I had read that before, but I knew it wouldn't be great research, but I bought it another copy anyway. Cause I thought it'd be hilarious to read where I think the one chapter is how to take a kick to the head, which I thought was hysterical. <laughs> Sounds like a marriage counseling book. Uh, but yeah, just tons and tons of research and trying to see what I could pull from where, you know, if there was any inspirations, not because I necessarily wanted to pull, but I wanted more information than I even already had because, you know, what if there was something I saw where I'm like, okay, that's cool. I could adopt this from here. I could adopt that from there. Something I did too was I kicked back and I watched uh, the Telltale series. And when I say watched, it's because I didn't play it. I watched other people's gameplay on YouTube. And uh, I figured you watch a couple of the choices and you're like, all right, this guy's making good choices. I could trust him with my Telltale series. And uh, I thought that was great too. I thought if there was a budget for a show, Telltale would be great because that's kind of what you'd expect from a Batman in this Tony Stark era, almost like Mission Impossible meets Batman, you know? 
Right. So flash forward, what brings us up to this point now where you're ready to start writing and filming your own fan series? I've always, I've always had the idea, you know, I, years ago I wanted to make a, uh, you know, after this, I was in the Smallville for a while when I was out and I know I, from what I've heard that that show was actually supposed to be about Batman in the first place, but there was some sort of, uh, controversy between, um, studios or whatnot. And I thought, how cool would it be to see, you know, Gotham, but before Gotham came out, I was like, Oh, this will be cool. Gotham came out and, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, Gotham's its own thing, you know, I'll say that, but I wanted, once I saw Daredevil, that's really what Daredevil on Netflix really inspired me for this. I, every scene I watched in there, I was like, man, this should be a Batman show. This, I mean, it, everything about it said Batman, uh, it, you know, it just very serious. It, it just, it screamed to me, it screamed Gotham city and Batman. It was just, you know, with a Daredevil facade. Now, one, one thing that I sort of pick up from, um, maybe it's part of the, way you guys present the intro and everything Cause at, at this point uh by the time people can listen to this they can watch uh your trailer it will be up on your youtube up on instagram everything but uh one thing that i pick up from your series is a definite feel of that uh that daredevil netflix series yeah that's to me because out of all the series that i've seen you know I, i've now i've given a lot of the shows a try Daredevil to me was the perfect formula of what a hero like that should be in a Netflix series. I think that uh, they struck a really good chord between comic book and good cinema. You know, it's all filmed really nice. It's all uh, it, a lot of things are taken into consideration. It's it doesn't go too. I'm not a like I don't like when things go intergalactic space and whatnot. It keeps it all home based in Manhattan. Uh, to me. That's what, you know, we wanted to try to draw up a, up a design for this where we can kind of, we had a lot of inspirations. It was Daredevil, it's Batman the Animated Series, touches of 89, touches of 66, kind of touches of the original and just, it was, it's a combination of a lot of things. So now you have this idea, you've seen how it's been done on Netflix with Daredevil. Um, who are you using now to do the filming and who else is involved with the cast and crew? Uh, well, my, my best bud and I, uh, my business partner, uh, John Michael Onderdong, he's the cinematographer and my, uh, we, we, we split the responsibilities right down the middle on this guy. It's, uh, you know, where I brought in, you know, I guess it's loosely termed Batman expertise. He brought in film expertise. We both share a, uh, a fanism in cinema to begin with. So <clears throat> it was cool to kind of combine that combine efforts and, and straight away. Um, so I selfishly casted myself as Batman because I mean, <laughs> Yo, why not? yeah, man, if that, if the opportunity arose and you know, I, it's not, I'm not an actor by any means, but I, I did, I did the best I could. Uh, I got Carl again. I think I'm going to butcher his last name because it's just got a lot of consonants, but Digmundo, um, he played, he, he plays a great, he's, he's a trained actor. That's what he does. And he, he just came in and killed it. Uh, he never had a mustache beforehand. I think he had it for one role. He had said before he got the, the, uh, cast as Alfred for us, 
And now he's had like three other roles I want him to keep it, so he hasn't yet to take the mustache off his face. Wait, so he grew it out for this role? Or he just... grew a mustache, I believe, for a role before it, and then it worked out that I saw it and was like, hey, can you keep that for us? And then and then somebody else after us saw it and said, hey, can you keep that for us? He's like, I've never had a mustache this long in my life. Um, and Commissioner Gordon, Adam Ginsburg, he's he's great too. He, you know. And they're all small roles in episode one. Um, they're basically character introductions. We're keeping things uh, relatively tight in regards to introductions and schedules. If we had uh, a streaming service budget or something of that nature, we could have taken our time and really, you know, dragged that the introductions out over the course of a season. But we kind of want to show people like, hey, you know, here's what we're cooking with. Here's uh Here's some of the here's some of the stuff that you guys could look forward to. So the little trickle of Commissioner Gordon, a little tri- you know, well, it's mainly Alfred and Bruce, but it's little trickles of everything. Um, you know, in the script we took there's names of guys uh, from the '66, like henchmen names that we took, henchmen names from the '49, the '43 versions. Uh, we we try to combine a lot of things into this. Uh, and just which really trying to please everybody. It's it's a tough it's a tough gig to to you know people just don't get it. People are I think they think they're talking to Hollywood studios online. They don't realize it's just two regular guys putting together a production. And you guys did something cool with like your first tease where you had like a, a video vlog with Vicky Vale. Who who is this actress? Vicky, uh, she is a very lovely actress that fans seem to have received very well. Uh, her name is uh, Alex Palmer, and uh, she's just awesome. She did a great job. John had the idea that we do a viral marketing kind of concept as if let's put this video up there as if it was streamed right from, or whatever you say, you know, a live feed right from her page or her Instagram. And uh, I thought that was a great idea. And then I thought, you know, I really like Batman in, in his Phantom-esque kind of nature. I, I really like him as the unseen monster, the the Yeti, the, you know, things of that nature where you don't really know he's real. Uh, I think I said yesterday, it's kind of like an Elvis sighting where you just, you know, you hear about it, but you don't believe it. And the fact that I, I love the old school, uh, almost like Superman, uh, the Max Flesher, at Max or what was it, right? Max Flesher? Yeah, yeah. Flesher, yeah. Um, it reminds me of those kind of the duality where she's on her way to interview Bruce Wayne. Then she happens to see Batman in the alleyway and it's a Batman saying, you know, she doesn't know one and the same. Um, and we're hoping to play off that in a, in a future episode that is actually supposed to be from a future episode where we'll actually film it for real and in just, and just incorporate the stuff that's on her phone. Nice. So what locations are you using? Uh, for the most part, we filmed a little bit in Manhattan, a little bit in Woodside, Queens. We found this, um, we searched for bar, a couple bars for about a year. Uh, and, you know, on a limited budget, it's it's tough. It's tough when you got to kind of shake more hands and you do opening up wallets because you have to work with what you got. And we found a really hospitable group of people at uh, the Station Cafe in Woodside, Queens, who were just really, really awesome and let us kind of have, you know, uh, they just gave us the freedom to run with it. And they're just like, hey, listen, 
you know, don't bother, our, like don't interrupt our business and it'll be okay. Just, you know, buy it, keep our customers happy, buy them around. And so we, we kept their gullets full and, uh, you know, but then, then as you know, you guys see in the scene that I, that the train scene, everything just worked out to, uh, it was, we're coming, we, we must've taken about where they had to hop on about seven or eight trains or something like that to try to get it to look right. So the train pulled up, the guy walks in the train, comes out of the train and it just all looks so seamless. They came down the stairs and the cab leaves when you'd hope it would, it just all looks choreographed. And we were really lucky to even get one take like that, you know? And these are like just local people. They're not actors, right? Yes. Uh, every, yeah, everybody's a native New Yorker, uh, all, all from real life Gotham. I, uh, they got a, you know, I'm from Long Island. We have a couple city people, but mostly I feel like Long Island people. Uh, the the Queens. The, there's two guys in the back that look like they are from the, a set of Gotham, and they were just regular customers who were like, "Hey, can we, can we be in your film?" I was like, "Yeah, you guys can shoot a game of pool in the back, and it looks perfect." The one guy's, you know, they they the guy's got like the uh, the cabbie hat with the leather overcoat. He looks like your cliche New York dude smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Uh, the that shot you were talking about, you know, going from the train uh, to the bar, it it looks really great because it's all one continuous shot. You know, it goes from the train, follows him down the stairs, turns across the street. There goes the cab. There's the bus right into the bar. That, that it it looks really good. I well, you know what? When we first started putting this together, I had the idea of one continuous shot. It wasn't originally that one. It was something we wanted to use a drone, but the problem with using a drone over there is even if you are trying to do a guerrilla style, you're too close to the airports and the drones know that. So you can't fly it there. So we had to kind of improvise. And so we thought of, all right, well, what if he comes out of the train and it's just one steady shot from there to the bar door and they ran it a bunch of times and, and it, and it worked out so good. Uh, you know, that's, that's our, that's our, our, well, I don't want to say what scene it is, but uh, that's a scene where we kind of put a character in there that we want everybody to see on screen, you know, um, someone that I, we've talked about before, the, uh, the Matches Malone scene, I guess I will say it. And uh, to me, that's uh, it's such a minor detail, but I love that. I always loved Matches Malone character. Uh, I thought it was a great little addition. It kind of twists the story a little bit, shows you that he actually gets out there on the streets and goes undercover and, and you know even in a regular detective movie i love the undercover parts i think that's great because you're always worried about when the guy's going to get busted uh is the guy going to recognize who he is blah 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 uh we're going to try to add that stuff in there because i think that goes also with the detective kind of feels that batman always seems to lack on screen in all its forms you know i feel like the animated series touched on the detective thing here and there they even touched the matches alone here and there but uh, Dark Knight touched on the detective very, very little. I feel like, I've, to me, the only scene I could genuinely remember is when he cuts the bullet hole out of the wall and goes back to the cave to investigate, you know, the caliber and all that nature. But other than that, I think that throw some more of that in there. You know, what I mean, I think fans really like that part. I mean, everybody wants to see Batman do the classic uh, detective squat down and pick up a piece of evidence. I mean, those are moments that you you wait for. Now, being that yourself and your partner are both uh, uh, cinephiles, you must sort of uh, be bringing some influences from from things that made you want to do this, carrying over into you actually making your own 
your own project. Uh, what kind of things uh, would you say are influencing you? Any any filmmakers or films that you've always loved that uh, that have trickled into your production? We have tons of influences over the years that are just uh that we were like you know let's take the moment to incorporate things we love the the scene at the train we refer to is um you know it's paying tribute to goodfellas when they they go down in the basement of the copacabana and uh ray liotta you know they just do the steady shot we wanted the scene that kind of had the same impact obviously it's hard to replicate such a shot but we wanted something with the same the same feel that same uh, alfred hitchcock one shot kind of take even so much to the point where inside uh it's kind of like a billy bats goodfellas scene as well uh, you'll notice there's a line in there uh, i think where <clears throat> matches bruce myself however you want to refer to it is uh he goes oh i disrespected you a little bit i'm sorry and uh just kind of try to little attribute to uh attribute to when robert de niro is like no no you disrespect you get a little out of line yourself Little out of line yourself. Uh, kind of tribute that you know. Uh, we we want to put more tributes in in the future. You'll even see in the trailer. You can see really quick on the newspaper. It says um, it says Bill Kane on the bottom of the one thing. I, you know, little hybrid of Bob and Bill. Um, but I wanted to kind of I want to just kind of try to drop little Easter eggs and things that matter uh, as much as I can because I think those are the things that people want to see people that are that are fans like myself though you you'd see that you're going to pick up on that you're going to appreciate the little uh additions that people have made to you know just help the allure of the mythology put it all in there maybe we'll see somebody tell matches malone to get his shine box yeah yeah i uh i I wish john was here at the moment to talk about that stuff that's more the film stuff is way more his forte than it is mine uh i have minor knowledge compared to what john John actually he went to school and completely educated in film and he he's really bringing that to you're going to see some of the shots that he did even in the trailer uh some of the shots that he took are just in my opinion without being biased i think they're just awesome um, you know, I think the shots that he did of Batman from behind, I think are very appropriate. I think it, everything just really worked out well, but his skill set came in heavy. We are trying to put our, our uh, hearts and souls into this. It's, and I won't lie. It's draining as hell. <laughs> it is draining to do this completely independently and do it right because we don't, we're trying our best not to half-ass anything. We want to provide people with, you know, an, uh, However long an episode can be, we want you to be able to escape. Um, you know, I'm sure at the same, you know, where people look forward to the next Batman comic coming out or when you, when the series was on, when the animated series was on, you look forward to next week's episode. We want people to have that same feeling again and have something to be able to watch and enjoy the character because right now there's not a whole lot of stuff out there to just enjoy the character. And rather than just put it together and throw it out there, we really wanted to take the time out and do things as best as we possibly can uh, to create no issues and let everybody enjoy it. Um, you know, you're going to, we, I think we talked about it yesterday briefly. You're going to get a lot of haters or not a lot of haters, but you're definitely going to get some out there who just, you know, like today I put up on the page um, who's ready to see the trailer kind of thing. Like, yeah, you want to see it or no, you don't. And, and, a, and a couple people actually wrote, no, they didn't. It's like, then why are you following the page? <laughs> I saw that when I, I, I voted on it. I wasn't one of the assholes. You know, I yeah. voted yes, but I, when I voted him, it was oh, 2% said no. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen, but you're like, why are you even on the page, man? Doesn't make any sense. 
it's just silly. So we were talking a bit about crowdfunding before and uh, that you guys are planning to do uh, in the future, get into crowdfunding with some potential rewards for people that want to help uh, the project sort of uh, step up. Yeah, uh, you know, a project like this is is tough as hell for two regular dudes to put together without a a big production team behind them. So uh, we want to basically give everybody our vision up front and uh, give them a little, you know, here's what you can kind of put together. And we'll be, you know, listen, we're going to put it together at our own pace regardless. But if people want to kind of help up, uh, step up and help, uh, we'll be offering crowdfunding things. This way we can kind of get them done sooner. We're going to be offering... uh, replicas of the cowl the emblem uh storyboard books uh from the storyboards that were done by roll of ledesma he a uh, great artist that helped us storyboard everything kind of took what i had in my mind put it onto paper um and uh given rid of some stickers a couple hats by sumo 13 um they just some really awesome stuff that just our way to kind of um a little trade-off, a little barter between us and fans, you know, if they could help us in the process. Because uh, it, it, it is a, it's a really pill to climb, you know. It, it's, when you're by yourself, it, it just, it's it's a struggle. It's harder to get things done when you're really, uh, you know, hitching on your own wallet. Uh, yeah, that's a, a cool way to do it, too, that you're giving people a, a taste of what you're trying to create before you start hitting people up for cash. Well, yeah, because, you know, like if, if if I'm a business and I'm a business investor, you know, you're not going to invest in the business until you see what the possibilities are, you know? So if this is what we were able to do out of pocket, imagine if there was a bigger funding, you know, b- behind it, if there, and, and it kind of, to me, it also makes it a cooler substance because then it, it's a fan, it's the fan series created by fans for fans, but if it's funded by fans too, that adds an extra awesome fan element to it. And even without the funding though, what you guys have uh, been able to do so far is really impressive. Uh, the, the bat suit and the cowl, everything looks, uh, at least from what we've seen so far, it looks like uh, you've got some pretty high grade stuff. Uh, where did you come, uh, come up with the, all the material, the, uh, the cowl and everything who's, who's making your stuff? I was inspired by our Wolverine cowl and uh, then kind of altered it in Photoshop, brought it a little together and then uh, sent it over to some guy overseas who then, you know, long story short, brought it to Keith Hernandez with Hernandez effects and he helped get it into proper sizing. And then really he fleshed it out and made it real, took the emblem that I drew up, 3d rendered it and, printed them up i mean they're they're awesome they the to me they're hollywood quality he he does great work unfortunately my dumb ass the other day though wore it or tried to put it on in the cold and uh while we were shooting and i ripped a big hole in the side of it and uh luckily i, I have a cowl too um but uh, it was my dumb ass though was, i you know i didn't it didn't occur to me that rubber needs to be warmed up a little first before you stretch it and uh yeah, put a big gaping hole right in the side, and so that one's trash now. Now it makes sense why Michael Keaton and them have like 30 cowls on set. Uh, you can call that battle damage. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to use, the, I'm gonna use the, the, the broken one and probably put some wires and stuff out of it and then do a scene in the future where it looks like I'm working on the cowl, you know? Now, being uh, shooting in the full costume and everything, like I know from seeing 
footage of the filming for like the Hollywood productions that what they've started doing uh, in recent years is the capes are all CGI now operating doing these shootings with the, the suit and the cape on are, are you seeing why they do the capes digitally uh, it makes sense, but at the same token, even if I think we could, I wouldn't want to because I think to me the cape is part of the character. You know, you you move differently when you wear a cape. Uh, you know, you have to get used to it. It's got to be part of you. It's got like like a cat when a cat has its tail, and it's just naturally part of its movement. Uh, so to me, I think that, and it's just my opinion, just having the experience now wearing the cape. I'm sure got a lot of guys. That, do cosplay can probably, you know, say the same thing is that I think it'd be a mistake if you're playing Batman on screen. I think that they should, the character should be wearing the cape. The actor should be wearing the cape. Cause like I said, you move quite differently when you wear it. It's just, it's a, it's a whole, you turn differently. It, it, it granted it's going to get in your way, but in the movie wise to give those big dramatic swooshes, it makes total sense why they do it in computer graphics. Cause you know, it's the, the motions are limited in real life. Speaking of uh, of cosplayers, you know, having experience in suits, uh, any chance that you'll be showing up at uh, at cons or anything like that, do, doing promotions? Uh, we have. We I'm hoping uh, our storyboard artist has a, a booth always at a. the the Javits Center, right? I think that's where the New York City one usually is. Um, he always has a booth there, so this year we might split it with him, and we'll have the Batman costume on display. I'll be dressed up as Bruce Wayne, and Alfred will be dressed up as Alfred, and we'll be passing out flyers and stuff and taking pictures with folks, whoever want to stop by the booth and say hi. But we're also doing a uh, – in on April 14th, I believe it is, at Stony Brook University here on Long Island, there's a Suffolk com- Comic-Con, and uh, – then Cradle Con in the summer, we're going to be doing viewings or screenings and having the costume and stuff on display at those as well. I don't think they'll be in those costumes because I'll probably pass out. Uh, but I won't lie, put that very claustrophobic under that uh, under that cowl. I don't know how the cosplayers wear that shit for days on end because that is a struggle, man. That is a struggle. And I can't smell too good by the end of the day. Uh, you know what? I, I imagine it does not. I imagine Batman smells like shit at the end of those days. <laughs> uh, we were talking about uh, a lot of the cast and stuff earlier. We, we covered uh, Alfred and uh, Gordon and uh, even Vicky Vale. I don't think we touched on someone else that you showed on your Instagram page uh, that you do have uh, your Harley Quinn cast as well. We do. We do. Um she was brought to me by the guy playing Harvey Bullock and I saw her online. I'm like, wow, to me, she looked great. Like I could really see her as the human embodiment of the animated Harley. And I thought she did a great job with the accent. You know, we posted her audition video that she sent us and I, I was so impressed by the, by the video that I had to, I had to post it online. Um, we have a Joker casted as well, but I haven't, I haven't, we're still going through makeup tests and whatnot. We're, we're going to try to go really gruesome with it. Um, you know, when I, I'd say when I say gruesome, I should say more dramatic, uh, very Phantom of the Opera, Lon Chaney senior kind of vibes. Uh, I want to go sincerely grotesque. We're basing it on a real drug that exists in Russia called crocodile. I think it is a crocodile. And, uh, if you look up the side effects to that, you won't be pleased. It's a, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's a decimorphine. And when you take it, the, 
side effect of abusing it over time is hunks of your skin fall off. Um, yeah, it's, it's awful. So I'm thinking if, if abusing it over time makes that happen, imagine what one submergent dose, like the Joker falls into a vat of it. Imagine what that would do to his skin. Um, so yeah, so we're going to kind of go with that. Something that we're, we're throwing back and forth is, the idea of doing cat women. And when I say cat women, I do mean cat women because as a head tilt, as an homage hat hats off to the sixties, um, you know, they had a few cat women, but just by chance, uh, we want to do it where, as if it's almost like a, a, a small clan of women that at o- over different courses, people, different women have adopted the name cat woman for, you know, um, where we have a brunette girl, a blonde girl, um, an African American girl playing Catwoman. Um, okay, I, you're gonna kind of uh, give nods to the different uh, actresses who have uh, exactly, you know, um, but but in a different way, in a, in a way that kind of makes sense. Like I said just different people taking up the the mantle of Catwoman. Yeah. Okay. So that's something original. It's cool to see someone taking on a, a fresh approach, especially if you're doing your own series. So uh, that covers uh, the idea of cat women. Now, moving on, logically, the next uh, thing that I'm going to think of is sidekicks, Robins, Nightwings, etc. Uh, plans for for more of the Bat Family? We the only person I want to put in is Dick Grayson, and uh, you know, and, and and not a lot either. For me, I always feel that Robin takes away from what Batman is. Uh, I've never been a big Batman and Robin fan. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Batman without Robin, but <clears throat> for this, a really good friend of mine, we were talking and one day he's like, he said in jest, just joking. Around, he's like, Oh, I should be your Robin. And I thought about it. For some, I was like, yeah, you should be actually mm-hmm. like, I'm going to work that in because this, this, my buddy Christian, he does, he looks perfect. He does backflips. He does the bow staff. He could do he knife throwing. He does tightrope walking. I mean, he is Robin. So, uh, we're, we're incorporating that in there as well, but it's going to be here and there, you know, kind of where Robin's off at school, but when he comes back, he kind of takes place, you know, takes a little position in the, you know, I, I want it to be where Bruce is almost like the older brother. It's like, I don't want you to get involved in the family business kind of deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Uh, now, outside of the Bat family itself, we, we've we seen little uh, glimpses of the Batcave, and I assume that you guys have something up your sleeve for, for a Batmobile as well. We have uh, a guy, Rick Paolella, who lives out here on the island, and he has a a 1966 uh, altered. I think I just I posted a picture in there just now for you guys to see. It's uh, he he did it differently. Put the hot rod hood on there. He got uh, the Lamborghini doors. It's painted matte black, um, and it's just awesome. You know, it's it's one of those things where you got to suspend your disbelief, and it does make sense. Where if he's just starting out, his Batmobile doesn't have to be the craziest thing you've ever seen. It could be something that he worked on, you know, made it work. You can, you can make it whatever you want to be. This is fantasy. Uh, 
So this car, you know, it, not only is it the only Batmobile we have available, but at the same token, I love this one. I think it's awesome. I think it's unique. I think most people have never seen the 66 Batmobile look like this before. And we're, we're not going to bring it in probably to the first episode, but um, we will be filming some stuff with it. We are our, our Batman. The idea is that he doesn't live in Wayne Manor, uh, like in, in a Westchester kind of distance from the city. He lives in the heart of Gotham to me. I, I, I like the idea better that he lives in Wayne, in like Wayne Tower, almost like Tony Stark kind of lived in. The, I think that was a big thing from what I understand in the 70s Batman comics. He lived in the middle of Gotham in a tower uh, in Wayne Tower, which to me just makes more sense. If you're going to surround yourself, if you're there to fight crime, why be 40 minutes or 20 minutes outside of the city? when you could be right smack in it, which there's not going to be a whole lot of need for a Batmobile um, unless he has to go far distances within the city. You know what I mean? So another element that I noticed during the trailer and small clips that you've shown us is the, uh, the soundtrack and music. Um, you know, this element makes this stand out above a lot of other fan-made series or, or short films. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? The, the music, uh, Joseph Kiefer did the theme song for the intro that we have coming up, which is a detective spin on the 66 song. Uh, I, I love, you know, that to me, that's just a classic theme. It's, you know, it was campy at the time, but we took it a little darker, tried to throw a little detective stuff in there. But then uh, Jordan Bryan, uh, he reached out to us and he's like, listen guys, you know, I want to volunteer my services. I hope you guys have somebody, but if you don't, and we were, our guy was really busy and squeezing us in as it was. And he picked up and I couldn't have been happier because it worked out because he is incredible. I think his, he put out the track for the trailer. He named, uh, before the night and, uh, he just put it up for sale. I believe on, uh, oh, I put the link up in the Instagram. I forget what it is. I want to say it's Bandcamp. I think, um, and uh, he put it up for sale there. It's it's a great track. It's a nice. It's a good combination of uh, Elfman meets Hans Zimmer. Uh, it's just it's a good. It's 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 Batman. It screams Batman because he, he made it from a good place. He's a fan of both Elfman and Zimmer, but he's at heart just a diehard Batman fan. So he kind of had a really good mindset for where the track should go. It wasn't what we initially intended, but it came out better than what we could have hoped for. Yeah, it does sound really good. Uh, everything that we've heard so far, uh, it it's, uh, standing up with how the footage looks. Uh, definitely the, uh, the soundtrack is, is on par with the production. Um, I appreciate that. We, you know, we're, we're the team we have assembled are just people who really care. They care for the better, uh, portion of the project. They care, you know, we're, we're, trying to do this from a position of fans who have just waited too long to get an on-screen Batman that we could really love for a consistent amount of time. You know, Ben Affleck, we talked about it yesterday. I think in brief, we were all in agreement that I thought he was awesome. And I, I thought I would love to see more Batman with him, but being that's not going to happen and being we're not getting a Batman till who knows when I figured out we'd put this together in the meantime and give fans something to enjoy and watch and, you know, really just, yeah, just enjoy. It's something that I'd want to watch. So I figured instead of waiting for somebody else to do it, let me just do it myself. And uh, another thing about the production, I think when people hear fan series, they're going to assume that this is going to look like it was shot on a Super 8 camera. But 
watching this trailer, I streamed it to my TV to, to watch it full size, and it looks, this is HD, and it, it looks like you're watching a movie. We filmed, uh, well, I should say John filmed everything in 4K, and, I mean, he knows what he's doing. And I think that, yeah, the shots from the trailer, I just think are awesome. We wanted it to, you know, we figured most people are going to watch them on their phones probably, but we were hoping that people put them on their TV to be like, holy shit, like they put something together. And, I, you know, I think you guys have seen the intro too. I think fans are really going to like that. Uh, you know, we wanted everything just literally to be on the utmost level for fans. Like I said, this, I'm a fan first and foremost. That's, that's, I love Batman, and to me, I, want, I know other Batman fans would love to see something like this. So it's it's coming from a good place, and we didn't want to give anybody a product that just wasn't worth watching. You know, there's there's lots of people out there who could put something together just out of passion, but we wanted to do passion plus, you know, real product. As of now, when people are hearing this episode, the trailer is now live online. Where can everyone see uh, the trailer, first of all? We uploaded the trailer to both our Instagram page and our YouTube page. Uh, Instagram's really our, that's our home base. I feel like that's where most of the fans have gathered, but we put it on YouTube as well, which is linked to our Twitter account. Uh, so everyone catch it there. And, you know, the first episode, we're hoping to drop it May 1st, or at least in the beginning of May. Uh, we want to try to keep it as authentic as possible. So, you know, everyone, I think, you were, people told me that it came out on a uh, new stands March 30th. Cause I was awfully confused for a little while. <laughs> and, uh, so we wanted it to come out today in March or yeah, today, March 30th, get the trailer out there. And then by May 1st, get the uh, first episode up there. We're hoping that we can do that. It's, you know, we're, we're having a little trouble, um, meeting deadlines just because, you know, again, it's just regular, regular people putting together this project. So we're doing what we can when we can and trying to, you know, hit deadlines as, as quickly as possible and as best as we can. And if you don't have any more people making you re-record podcasts, you guys will be in business. Yeah. That'll save us a little time. No, No, it's, it's all good, man. Technical difficulties happen all the time. We've, we've had them happen more than times than I'd care to admit. We've all been there. So uh, look up Batman the Fan Series on Instagram, and that'll be your avenue to uh, all their other platforms. Check out the trailer. It's out now. Watch for uh, information on the first episode, information on the crowdfunding. Uh, If you like what you see from these guys, get behind them and support them. Share them, show them to people, and uh, help this stuff, uh, help independent people creating cool stuff uh, that they're passionate about. Help that be successful. Uh, all it takes is is showing your friends and sharing things around, and that doesn't cost us anything. But uh, thank you so much to Matt Zeiss for having the time to be here and talk about this with us. Well, thank you guys for having us. Uh, well, having me, I pre- genuinely appreciate all the support and you guys pushing it out there. We really sincerely appreciate any help anybody, especially you guys, can give us. Absolutely, and uh, we'll we'll be sure to talk to you guys again uh, when episode one comes around. I hope so, man. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night.
Wow. My friend just went to Japan and brought me back uh, orange Kit Kats. Oh, no, yeah, I had some orange ones. I never had those, but I gotta, I'm going to have them soon. Yeah. If it's the same one, if it's the same one, the, the orange ones were one I liked. I'm sure they got to be delicious. Damn it, Bobby. Damn it, Bobby. Damn it, Bobby.